So thank you, Lord. Everybody good? Mm-hmm. Well, Lord, we just thank you this morning for your loving presence. That's the most important thing in our life. And I pray that you would help us to see you and know you better. And that's why we're here this morning, Lord. We're here to worship you and bow to you and honor you and hear you speak to our lives and meet us uh, because we need you to meet us. Uh, but we just really thank you for all you've done for us. Help make it real to us, Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Let me uh, just start out. I'm excited this morning. We're in a good time, uh, revelation-wise. And I think when you're in a good time, revelation-wise, that means in the natural things can change in your life as you, re- you, know, as you receive from, from the things of heaven. So the Lord's speaking a lot right now. If you're paying attention, He's got a lot to say. Uh, as he always does, but sometimes we don't seem to be hearing it. But I want to give you this one scripture this morning, Philippians 3, 10 through 11. Um, and this is one that we probably know a little bit about, but not enough. Uh, it says, uh, that I might know him. Okay, that's sort of a... He's going to get that up there in a second. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection... Okay, so number one is to know Him. Number two, the power of His resurrection. And number three, the one we always want to leave out. Okay, the fellowship of His sufferings. How about that one? Is everybody jumping up wanting to know about the fellowship of His sufferings? I'm not signing up for sufferings uh, myself. Being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So, so there's three things there that the Lord wants us to know. He wants Number one, He wants us to really know Him, okay? Really have a relationship with Him. That knowing there is an intimate, deep knowing of the Lord like you would know somebody that you were really close to. So that's possible, okay, to have that kind of relationship. Number two, the power of His resurrection. How many people would like the power of God's resurrection operating in your life? Raise your hand. Now, what about the rest of you? Are y'all just wanting to be a bunch of deadbeats or something? Come on. If you don't have that working, you are a deadbeat for sure. Uh, so, but we want to know His power. We want to experience His power more. Okay? But the third one is the one we've always sort of like, Ugh, we don't really want to know about that one too much. But here I am to tell you today that the number third one, the third one, the fellowship of His sufferings. Note it said His, not mine. Okay, not yours. It's his suffering. And God really is looking for people to enter in and fellowship with him around his sufferings. Okay, because his sufferings are really something that's on his heart right now for the church to really come to, to grab hold of. Because in, in fellowshipping and knowing him around his sufferings will release you into knowing him, number one, and it re- will release you into his power. Okay, so that's really what's on the Lord's heart right now, is if we're going to live this resurrected power, powerful life that he goes on and talks about uh, on this earth, we've really got to really get more revelation on the suffering of Christ, because the sufferings of Christ is really what releases us into the power of Christ, and it releases us into knowing him. It really does, and so um, I'm telling you this, uh, for the last uh, good while in my life, the Lord really has been bringing me into a place of, of, of meditation and, and thoughts around the cross of Christ. And it's really having a major impact on my life. It's really, I've never uh, felt like I've loved the Lord as much as I love Him right this moment because I've seen 
how much He loved me and what He did for me just by, allow, just by putting that in my mind. Uh, Paul said to set your mind on things above, okay, not on things of the earth. Uh, he's talking about putting your mind somewhere that can impact your mind and change your mind and fill your mind with something from heaven, okay? Uh, let me read this scripture, Hebrews 12, 20-24. It says, uh, but you, oh, it was just really nice singing those songs this morning about the cross, wasn't it? You know, those songs are powerful. I was thinking, Lord, you know what? I've got something to worship you about. I've got something to worship you about this morning. Every one of us do. But you have come to Mount Zion, Hebrews 12, 22-24, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. So that's, the, that's heaven. That's what he's talking about right there. That's heaven. A biblical heaven is Mount Zion. It's the city of God. It's where God lives, uh, the heavenly Jerusalem. That's where he's, he's at. Uh, and so it tells you in here what's in heaven. This is one of the most concise views. If you want to know what's in heaven, uh, this and then Revelation 4 gives you some detail of heaven. Okay, so have you ever wondered what was in heaven or thought about what was in heaven? Well, this tells you, number one, there's angels, an innumerable company of angels. In other words, there's so many angels, no man could count them. Uh, that's one thing in heaven. So think about setting your mind on the angelic. Because they are things above. So I just want to say that to you. Not that we worship angels, but we receive the ministry of angels. Uh, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. In other words, in heaven, there's a church. There have, they have church in heaven. It says it right there. That's what's there. The general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. That's why we have church on the earth, because there are, there's a little church in heaven. To God the judge of all. Okay, it's the third thing that's in heaven. To God the judge of all who is the Father who sits on the throne. And that's what Revelation 4 really shows a lot about what that throne looks like and, and all that good stuff. Uh, to the spirits of just men made perfect. To the spirit. That's, in other words, it's our spirits when we go to heaven. Okay? And, and so when our family members that have died... Their spirits are in heaven right now with the Lord. And they, in fact, they're the ones who make up the church in heaven. Another place calls it the great cloud of witnesses. They're right behind us, looking at us this morning. They are in heaven. Okay? In this, so that's where they are right now. My daddy's up there. I have a daughter up there. All right, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And that's where Jesus is at this morning. Notice it didn't say the Holy Spirit because he's everywhere. So he didn't get in. He's, he's, he's in all places all the time. Uh, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. In other words, the blood of Jesus, that was really what I wanted to get to you about this morning. That the blood is in heaven this morning. When Jesus died on the cross, God reached his hand down in the earth and took some of that blood and placed it in heaven. Because that's what it says. The blood's in heaven. And it will always be there. Okay, I uh, read this uh, book that Marlon loaned to me, written by a woman 150 years ago. She wrote the book, and they finally had to rewrite it because it was written in Old English and nobody could read it. Have you ever heard of Old English? It sounded like somebody speaking in tongues when they're reading. When I first met Becky, she was learning this thing in Old English, and she used to say it to me, and I'm thinking, I had no clue what she was saying. It literally sounded like somebody speaking in tongues. But finally they rewrote the book 
book's really pretty good. If you ever lost a baby, I really recommend the book because a lot of the book's about what happens to babies when they die. And it's really powerful uh, what happens to babies when they die. It really ministered to me. Actually, the guy who rewrote the book had lost two children. And it really touched his life to see. But this is one of the things that was, this, this lady was named Marietta Davis. I want to just read a couple of quotes out of the book. Uh, and this is what this angel told her when they first brought her into heaven. She went to heaven for nine days. She went into a trance. She didn't die. She went into a trance. Everybody thought she was in a coma. Uh, this was 150 years ago, so medical science didn't really have a whole lot. But she, she went into heaven. They couldn't wake her up. And, you know, but she went into heaven, and she wasn't even a... She was sort of messed up in her life, really, then, in terms of her relationship with the Lord, but she was definitely seeking God. And this angel that took her, he said, the first thing you must learn is that all heaven reveres the cross. All heaven reveres the cross. Tens of thousands bow before it. The, the redeemed ones love to linger around it. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Worship on earth is very dreary compared to worship here. <laughs> Worship on earth is very dreary compared to worship here. <laughs> I bet that's the truth. Uh, this is what Marietta said at one point. Uh, I am learning that the cross is the center of everything here. Talking about heaven, the cross is, uh, is the center of everything here. Every spirit re- re- reveres it. And each hymn of praise mentions the name of the sacrifice. Every song in heaven mentions. Actually, you know, if you read the book of Acts, every message in the book of Acts is recorded and mentions the cross. talks about what Jesus did. Every should tell us something. And then the last quote I wanted to give you. The cross, this, is a, this is the angel speaking again. The cross is always in the minds of the redeemed spirits. You see in every aspect of this place, every flower and every artistic work has the cross in it, as though an invisible hand has woven it throughout. It is the symbol of redeeming love. And all instructions here, all instructions given here is based on the cross. Isn't that powerful? Because a lot of the book was about the babies being instructed, and that was what they instructed in the cross. So you see, uh, I really believe this is the truth. I believe this is how heaven feels about the cross. I believe this is how heaven feels about the blood of Jesus. It's like the focal point of heaven, the center of heaven. And what God is really wanting to do is make the cross the center of the church, again, and, and the center of our lives. And, and He really is bringing a fresh revelation of the cross. That's what I'm here to declare to you this morning, that God is offering you and I a fresh revelation of the cross, a fresh revelation of what Christ has done for us. And this revelation can, in, can entirely change your life. You know, I've been a Christian a long time, and, and since... I've been getting this revelation released into my life in a fresh way. It has been having some awesome impact on me. Okay? Awesome impact on me. And so I'm here to declare to you that when Paul said that the, the, the cross is the power of God, I'm here to declare that that's the truth. The cross is the power of God. And if, if we are going to spend heaven revering the cross and being focused on the cross... In heaven, we must really, in our hearts today, realize that this is something we need to, to begin to embrace in a, in a fresh way, in a new way. And I've said it before, uh, biblically, the cross is the, the suffering and death of Christ, the, the burial of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the ascension of Christ, and the Holy Spirit being poured out on the earth. That's really, biblically, the definition of the cross. It's those events all put together, if you pull one of those events out of that definition, you don't have a full picture of, of the cross. 
Right? I mean, it would be sad if we got to the end. He just went back to heaven and, okay, see you, boys. That would be a bad day because we wouldn't have his spirit to, to, to indwell us and, and the spirit of Christ to live in us. So you, you see how important it is. So I believe there's a, really a fresh revelation of the cross. I know people who, Christians, have been Christians a long time, who suffered with the love of God personally, knowing that the Father's love on a personal level, they suffered with it. Well, I'll tell you this. If you begin to meditate on the cross and begin to see the cross, something's going to happen. It's going, you're, going to, you're going to get a revelation of the love that God has for you on a personal level. You're going to see something that will change you. And, and when, you know, the Bible tells us we love God because He first loved us. Well, that's really what will begin to happen to you. And so love's a powerful thing. Uh, Jesus said in John 2.39, uh, when some guys asked Him a question, where are you staying? He said, come and see. Okay, that's what He said. Just come and see. And it was an invitation from the Lord into His world. And so a lot of people are, are curious about the spiritual world. A lot of people are frustrated about the spiritual world because they have a difficulty entering into that world and engaging that world and, and visions and all the things that we talk about and love so much. And Jesus says here, uh, the way into that world is me. And John the Baptist said in a moments before that, listen, look at the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Put your focus on the Lamb. And when he was saying that, a good Hebrew boy knew exactly what he was saying. He was not talking about this guy standing in front of him, uh, just the Jesus, the person. He was talking about this, this slain lamb, this, this, this brutalized, beaten man, uh, the lamb that was slain, the sacrifice lamb. Put your eyes on him, and as you do that, there's an invitation from him. So I'm here to tell you those scriptures are true. When we begin to see him in his worst state in his most humbled state, his most brutalized state, something happens. And we begin to put that into our lives and put that in our hearts. Something begins to happen in us because the Bible says the, the cross is the power of God. The power of God gets released in, in all that there is. Uh, it's the door open into eternity. Literally, for you and I to get to heaven, there's only Jesus and only the cross. Uh, but for you and I to step into the heaven realm today, there's only Jesus and only the cross. That's the door in. That's how we go in. So if you want to have angelic visitations, uh, that's how you have them. It's through the cross. If you have them any other way, it's an illegitimate experience. You don't want them the other way because those are not angels of God. Those are uh, angels of, of Satan. But through the cross, you will have every wonderful experience that you could ever dream of. Well, that's a good thing right there. Uh, one of the things the Lord is doing right now uh, is Joel 2.25. I will restore to you the years, okay? The years that have been consumed out of your life. And I see God is in the restoration business. He is going into people's lives right now and helping them over loss that they've had in their life. Because uh, I know a lot of people have experienced loss. All of us experience loss. We have a lifetime of loss. We have a lifetime of sorrow of things that have happened to us. But I see in people's lives God reaching into their hearts. I watched, I witnessed a person that I know who lost her daughter uh, eight, 18 years ago in a, a, a terrible ride, 18 years ago in a terrible, fiery car accident. I watched God, I watched the hand of God go into their hearts and begin to restore something that they lost 18 years ago. Something, a daughter that died tragically. 
Uh, can you imagine losing a 16-year-old beautiful daughter? And I saw the hand of the Father begin a restoration process. And He told me, Byron, that's what I want to do for people. I want to put my hands into their hearts. I want to restore them. I want to restore people. I want to fix the things. Whatever you lost on this earth, He said, I want to restore inside of you that thing that you lost. That, per- that girl will never come back here. She, why would she? But the loss that their parents had can be restored. The emotions, the fellowship, the things that you were meant to have. Are you believing that this morning? Well, a lot of people have lost loved ones in the last couple of years. A lot of people have lost property. A lot of people have lost relationships. And that's, what the, that's one of the main works of the cross is this powerful restoration that God wants to bring out. That's a personal thing for everybody in this room. I'll tell you, if, you, if you've lost your health, I will declare to you that the cross has an answer for health. He wants to restore your health because Jesus took a brutal beating for your health. Isn't that wonderful? Well, there's a word that God gave me a while back. I think I got it when I was in China, somewhere along those lines. It says, uh, it's John 11:28. The Master has come and is calling for you. I think I actually preached a message on that. That's, how, that's when... When Martha said that to her sister, the Master is coming. He's calling for you. And the Master is coming. He's coming into people's lives and He's calling for them now. Okay, He's not. He's calling for you and I. He's calling out to us right now. That's what I hear. I hear God calling out to people and wanting to put His hand in our lives and pull stuff out that needs to get out of us. Get the, get the hurt, get the pain, get the stain out and get Himself in there more. And, and the blood of Jesus will do that for you. So that's, that's on a personal level. Another thing I see uh, why God is bringing the cross to, to the forefront uh, is 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 19. Let's read that. Is everybody following me so far? I hope I'm getting you excited this morning because I want, here's what I want for you. I want you to begin to practice and meditate on the cross. Begin to think about the cross and just go through the Scriptures and begin to read different Scriptures of when Jesus was being brutally beaten and begin to think about that and begin to let that, your mind get absorbed into that. Think on things above. The blood is above. The cross is above. Uh, this is what Paul the Apostle said. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ. That's awesome. And given us the ministry of reconciliation. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to who? Us. The word of reconciliation. So there is a great call coming out of heaven now uh, for evangelisms and missions. There's a call of God on the body of Christ. There's a call for us to rise up. Okay? In this hour, and, and embrace the, and so what is, you know, to, to be that, to have that ministry of reconciliation is have the ministry of the cross to the world, to minister the love of God to the world, to revelate, but it, they don't need some dry, unheard, some quoting some Bible verses from rote in memory. They need people whose heart is being passionately touched by that revelation themselves because something will happen when this revelation. And God is calling the church to a time of evangelism and and a time of missions. I'll tell you, that's what's on His heart right now. 
is that more than anything else. I, I see it. That's what the Holy Spirit River does. Everybody wants just to enjoy the river for themselves and get all joyful about it. They don't realize the river, ultimately, if you're going to really have a river, it is headed out the door. That's where it's going. It's saying, I'm not just going to stay here. I want to stay here. I want to be with you. But if you're really going to be in it, it's going to take you out the door. And that's where it really gets deep. It gets real deep out there because the world is out. There's a world of people out there that need this revelation. And so I remember when we were saved back in the 70s, there was a a move of God. There was a great move of God. And here's what's left of that move of God. Well, we got all enthralled with the gifts of the Spirit because that move brought the gifts up. We got all enthralled with doing a church a different way because they didn't do church like this back in those days. They had an organ and a book. And they would set you down and stand you up and set you down and stand you up and set you... Y'all, y'all get tired of us telling you to stand up? If you went to one of them churches, you'd be furious because they would tell you to stand up. And then they'd say, no, sit down, stand up, stand up. <laughs> but this new way of doing church, this way of doing, new way of doing music, you know, they were fighting over drums in the church back then, believe it or not. How, you know, it was insane. But, but here's the truth. In the middle of all that, we lost the most important thing about that move. And it was the evangelist. I'm here today. As a product of that move, I got saved. It wasn't the music that saved me. It wasn't how He did church that saved me. God came through and swept people into the kingdom because there was a spirit of evangelism out there. And, and really, if you go back to the music of that time, it was all very evangelistic music. You know, a lot of what we were singing this morning reminded me of the music of those days. It was about the cross. It was about Christ. It wasn't about us just getting our spiritual needs met, which is important. And we need that. And I'm not discounting that, but I am telling you this, something. God is saying, I'm in a mood. I'm in the mood for evangelism. I'm in the mood for missions. Okay? And I think it's significant. You know, this is, we had three Sundays in a row where we sent people out of this church or ordained people to the gospel ministry. That's significant. We sent some people down to South America. We sent a guy to Kenya. We ordained Chuck and Janet to the gospel ministry. Yeah. So we, well, we didn't do that. Sent them. We didn't do, I'm just telling you the things we did in the last three Sundays. We've got to pay attention to what God's doing. If you want to know what God's doing, pay attention. He's trying to make a statement and all that. It's not just some ceremony. He's trying to tell us something. This is what's on my heart. This is what I'm doing. You want to know what I'm doing? I'm looking out there in the world at all those people like Byron Wicker was one time. I have a heart for them. I need people to go to them. Are you all with me? Well, I love all that stuff. Okay. I read recently about this ministry in Houston, Texas that has one of the highest success rates in the world of restoring drug addicts. Okay? The high success rate in the world. I mean, it's been studied by the government. It's been studied by people. What is your secret? And I heard the guy who lit it. Here's what my secret is. It's the blood of Jesus. He said, I take the blood of Jesus and I teach them people about the blood of Jesus. I teach them how to receive the blood of Jesus. I teach them how to walk in the blood of Jesus. I walk them through these steps with the blood of Jesus. And something happens to those people. And I thought, my God, here's a guy who's taking addicts and turning their lives around with the blood of Jesus. Okay? We need some of that blood again. Are you, are y'all? So, um, anyways, thank you, Jesus. I'm excited about this. You know, I'm excited about the blood this morning. I'm excited about the cross this morning. Mm, mercy, Lord. 
So I believe these are things that the Lord's doing right now. He's calling us up. The Lord, the Master's come. He's calling for you. He wants to restore your life. The Master's come. He's calling for you. He said, i got a call in your life. Okay? Uh, to be a diplomat, to be a person, to, to be a minister of reconciliation, to reconcile the world to me. Uh, but here's the way you're going to do it. You can't do it just being a church person. You can't do it with a person who's got a lot of knowledge in their head. You gotta be, you gotta, there's got to be something burning in you. There's got to be some passion in you. You know, the Bible says, He who is forgiven much loves much. I realized, Lord, I just was forgiven for a lot of things. I mean, I've been forgiven for a lot of things since I came in. But I began to go back over my life and I realized, oh, I don't, you know, I'm not a, I understand what those angels were saying. Uh, it's boring down here, worship. Because we don't remember how much we've been forgiven. And so when we get offended at somebody because suddenly they have all this expression and passion towards the Lord, it's because maybe something's in their heart and saying, look, look what God has done for me. I was terrible. And they want to express their love for God. That's what the cross would do for you. I think the cross would cause the church to become the most worshiping place there is. I actually believe that that's why worship shifted. I believe that's why worship became such a thing in the church because people saw their sins. They saw their state. And for the first time, they wanted to go beyond a book that says, read this, sing it like this, do it like this, do it. They wanted to freely worship God. That's what was happening. And that's why worship came out of that movie. It came out because people fell in love with the Savior. It wasn't because people got so clever all of a sudden and understood music. That's a crazy thing. So we don't need to have, we need to have a church and a, and a ministry that's all based on the cross. And out of that will come everything. Everything that God has will come out of that revelation. Everything. We won't have trouble getting people to worship because they'll be so passionate for the Lord. They can't help it. That's what I believe. Anyways, in the Bible, uh, Jesus, when He died, when He was uh, first, you know, when He was in the garden, there were seven points there where Jesus... Now, this is what will help you. Now, I'm going to tell you how to do this. Okay, you want to know a how-to? I don't really believe in how-to, you know, like how to, how to be happy or, or how, to get, you know, how to get money or how to... But I'm going to tell you this. Here's how. Okay, this is my how. I've gone through these seven places where Jesus' blood was shed. Okay, I shared a little bit of this a few weeks ago, I think. I can't remember. I thought, well, I'm just all over the road, Lord. I mean, it's hard for me to be systematic, but... It's systematic in my mind. Okay, but there's seven places where Jesus literally shed his blood. And each of those are significant for us. That as we, so, see, I, I, okay, Lord, set my, I want to set my eyes on the blood. Okay, okay, just blood. That's sort of a blank. But if I can begin to look at where the scriptures like, set my eyes, I'm under a lot of stress, Lord. I see Jesus in the garden sweating blood. That was the first place. The first time he shed blood for us was when he was in the garden under extreme stress, so much stress, that he literally started sweating blood. Okay? And that's, I've shared, I think, about there's a medical term for that that actually happens. And most people who experience that die. Okay? Because it's such a powerful, I mean, it's, it's, it's extreme stress. So extreme stress and extreme sorrow. Even Jesus said, My, I'm at the point of death. Even in the garden sweating, he was at the point of death at that moment. So whenever I'm under stress now, whenever I'm worrying now, when i got sorrow in my life, that's really where I go to. I go back to, to, to Jesus in the garden. I go back to Him sweating and see that and begin to think about, Lord, You did that for me. 
You sweated my sorrow. See, that's what he, he wasn't doing it for himself. He was doing it for you and I. And he wants us to, that's how you enter into his suffering. You begin to see it. You begin to receive what he got there. I hear about people who have panic attacks. You ever heard? I've never had one, but I hear people have panic attacks. And they had to literally get a bag or something and breathe in it to get calmed down. I'll tell you this. This is the answer of panic attacks. It's that. Because Jesus was under so much extreme pressure there. The blood of Jesus can deliver us. It can change us in our panic mode, in our desperate moments. That's our answer. And see, we've got to get back to the answer. I love, you know, counseling and techniques. But I'll tell you something. We've got to be careful we don't go too far with that stuff. We've got to be careful that our techniques and our way we get people delivered and the way we people get people fixed on the inside, we don't go so far with it that we forget the real power in all of it is the blood. Yeah, and that's, that's what we got to get back to. And, and that's what I was reading about, this guy doing with these drug addicts and street people. He was changing their life with these simple things. Now, I didn't really get into all this, you know, involved in all this thing, but I just thought that's it. The second time uh, he shed his blood... Well, anyway, that's in Luke 22, 39 through 44, if you're interested in Matthew 26, 38, about him sweating blood. Uh, the second time was when, after he was arrested, captured, and took, taken by the soldiers, it says they began to spit in his face, beat him in his face with their hands, and rip his beard out. Okay? That's, what they begin, that's when that began to happen to Jesus. His face was getting ripped out. His, he was bleeding from his face. He was getting punched by these, these uh these soldiers, these guards, they were punching him, they were beating him, they were spitting in his face, they were saying awful things about him, calling him awful names. Now you see what can happen to us in this world, we can be assaulted. People can speak things to us, people can say things that are hurtful for us. Anybody ever experienced that? And so, but, so that's what we have to do in those moments when all these hurtful things are, are coming against us and, and being spoken against us and said against us is we have to go back to and see Jesus being assaulted like that and see his beard literally, literally he had holes in his face, gapping holes where they ripped clunks of his beard out. Now that's an attack on a person, who they are. And he was taking that, but he was taking it for us because he was totally innocent of everything, but we're not. And so we begin to fellowship in the suffering of that and, and see that and realize that. And I'll tell you something, it can have some power on you. One thing the Lord showed me in this time I've been going through is He brought up the Word to me one morning, well, actually one afternoon driving down 150. I love driving to Salisbury on 150. I really, not because you live there, but because it seems like God likes to talk to me on that road. Well, Janet lives there too, but, but God... God likes to talk to me on that road for some reason. And one day he brought up this word to me. He said, resentment. That's what he said to me, resentment. I said, resentment. And then he brought a person to my face. And he said, you resent him, don't you, for what he did to you years ago. And I said, my God, you're right. I do. I'm so sorry, Lord. Will you forgive me for resenting that man? Because I had forgiven him as far as I knew. But when Jesus said, you resent him. And guess what? I said, well, Lord, I began to pray for that person. I began to bless them. And there was something genuine came out of that. It wasn't something like, I need to pray for them, you know, bless those who curse you and pray for those who despite you. It wasn't that. There was something genuine beginning to rise in my heart. that I wanted to see their best. I wanted to see them healthy and whole and prosper. I wanted God to speak to them and touch them. It was real. And it was the blood of Jesus. 
It was because I had, I had meditated on Jesus being slapped and spit on and His beard pulled out. It began to change my heart. And guess what? There was a dozen people right after that one right after because I said, show me any more. Show me any more I got resentment for. And He began to reveal other people. I didn't even know. It was hidden to me. And the reason it was hidden because I was never in a place to really let it go. But I'm going to tell you something. You don't know the freedom that came in my heart. You don't know the cleansing that came in my heart when I got free of resenting people from hurtful things they said or did to me that I didn't even know I resented. Most of them I went through this length, some of them a lengthy process of forgiveness, of working through forgiveness. But this thing of resenting them, well, that was just my little encounter. That's life-changing, friends, and countrymen, and you know all the other things. Are we doing good? I'll get done today. If, uh, the next time he bled was when they flogged Jesus, uh, when they beat him with this thing called a flagrum or a cat of nine tails, which was really uh, literally what they would do. There would be actually two people that would beat the person. Two, two Roman soldiers. These are Roman soldiers now. These dudes are not the kind of guys you'd want to irritate. And one would hit him. And when he got the thing back, the other one hit him. So they would have a lot of strength when they hit Jesus' back. And many times uh, in that day, men would not survive that beating. They would die. They would die because the beating was so severe. And I think I shared with you how that, that uh, whip had, uh, like, they call it a cat of nine tails because it had nine different little things on it. And they had nine braided leather straps on it. And in those braiding those straps were rocks or stones hard surfaces and bones. And so when they would hit the person and pull it, it would rip chunks of their skin off their back. And they say literally, more than likely, Jesus' bodies, his bowels were probably exposed from that beating. It was so severe. His muscles in his back were so uh, exposed from that beating. That's a pretty hideous thought, isn't it? But that's literally the beating that he took. And the Bible says, by his stripes, literally it's by his stripe. Literally, singer, because his back was one gigantic wound. One gigantic wound with exposed body parts, exposed organs, exposed bones. Just that one beating. By his strike, we are healed. It says that most people go into this thing. Let me read what it is, because I don't really. Hypovolemic shock. Hypovolemic, well, this basically means you're in shock because of loss of blood. You, you, you go in shock, more than likely your kidneys start failing. If you have kidneys left, if they didn't rip them out of your body. Now think about it. That's what happened to Jesus. He went into shock. And it says your body becomes very weak because you've lost so much blood. And they say that's probably why Jesus could not get that cross to, to Golgotha. Because he had lost so much blood, he was going into shock, and he just, his body became very weak, and he kept stumbling and falling. And the reason he hung on the cross and he said he was so thirsty was likely because his kidneys had quit working. Okay? And it was creating this intense thirst, and he had a very high fever. Now, I'm telling you something. When you begin to think about it, anybody got a kidney problem this morning? You do. I'm telling you something. There's power in that to get your kidney healed. Okay, you got any kind of sickness. See, that's what we can do. You can take your head, you can take your body and stick it into that back. Because it says, by His stripe we are healed. And the church that don't believe in healing is a church that don't believe in the gospel. Really? I mean, it's sad to say that. But a church that's rejected that? Come 
own? Is that a church after he went through for that for us? And it just can't be right. It can't be right. And he took that beating. That was the number, that was the third time he bled. So sickness. Sickness. When we are sick, we can begin to meditate on that. Lord, my God, you took that off of me. You got low blood pressure this morning. Anybody got low blood pressure? How about high blood pressure? You see? God, God's blood pressure got real messed up that day over that. And he's really looking for people who will step into that and, and grab hold of that. All right, number four is the one that's really made a lot of difference in my life also is the crown of thorns that they pounded on Jesus. Remember, it was, this was after he had been beaten. They took him before uh, Pilate and, uh, you know, and they put a gold robe around him. And then they put that crown of thorns on his head. The soldiers did, mocking Jesus, mocking him, and took them and took a reed and began to hit him in the head with those thorns on his head, just beating him in the head, beating him in the head. Anybody ever feel like they've been under a psychological attack? You feel like your brain is getting busted and tore up. You think you ever felt that? I mean, everybody has, where the enemy is just filling your mind up with stuff, or you feel so frustrated in your mind, or you're so tempted in your mind to, to want to do bad things or say bad things. You can always go back to that. You can go back to that, Lord. That was when your mind was assaulted. That was when your mind was assaulted by the enemy. And I can get free from these assaults on my mind by going and beginning to see that. This can have, this can have change your life. This can set you free. That is really how we get the renewed mind to Christ. This is when we begin to meditate. Are y'all following this? Are y'all, are y'all hearing what I'm, I'm telling you? I'm giving you a how-to. I'm giving you steps to wholeness. I'm giving you steps to freedom in your life. And here's what the steps are. It's the blood. Okay? All right, number five, six, and seven. You'll love this. I'm about at the end. Uh, the, the, that's a, the, the third one, or the fourth one was the crown of thorns. Number five and number six and seven all happened at the crucifixion. Is, is the spikes that they drove into his hands, which is probably that part of his arm, they say, because that part couldn't hold. So, but they said in that day, the people believed the hand was made up of the wrist. That was all part. So the spikes driven in there, he bled from that, and he also bled from the spikes driven in to his uh, feet, which they say were probably, was probably right there, right there behind the, yeah, the hill area, because that was the place. So, uh, when Jesus was placed on the cross, the, they, your body was put in a very uncomfortable position. And you could not breathe without lifting yourself up. Okay? That's how you would breathe. You had to lift yourself up on the cross to get a breath. Okay? So, you know, imagine a guy who's into this hypovolemic shock, uh, low blood pressure, and your heart is pumping and beating and beating because your heart re- begins to race. That was what was happening. His heart began to race trying to get blood you know, pumped up there uh, to stay alive. And, and at the same time, he's just gasping for breath. Anybody ever gasp for breath? I'm telling you, there's an answer on the cross. There's an answer he has for us. Okay? Your body's cramping up because you have a, you know, because of the uncomfortable position. Now, this is what Jesus did on the cross. Now, here's the truth. Think about it. Your hands. Think, what do you do? What do you do with your hands, generally speaking? What do they represent in your life? It's how you, you live. It's how you work. It's what you do. It's, it's, and see, Jesus' blood was shed. His, that's why His hands were pierced. Because He wanted hands that could be blessed. So we could be blessed on our work. We can be blessed when we pray for people. 
because God wants, because God's blood could be applied to our hands. And what does your, your feet represent? Your feet represent your walk in this life, correct? So wherever, he, the Lord told Joshua, wherever you go, wherever your feet goes, you're going to have dominion. Now, He wants the blood on us. He wants the blood on our feet. He wants the blood on our hands. He wants us to be able to live a life of favor because of the curse that He took. A lot of people have probably have a hard time with that kind of preaching because of the abuses that has happened in the church. But nevertheless, that's what happened to Jesus. So who cares about the abuses? Why can't we just say, Jesus, because you suffered, my hands can be blessed. Why can't we do that? Who cares if if so-and-so has abused that privilege that's between them and God? Who cares if somebody else abused the privilege of favor from God? Why can't we just say, if Jesus, if that's happened to you, why can't I, I, I can have that. I'm not going to let abuse, I'm not going to let, you know, t- perversion and twisted stuff on I'm not going to let it stop me from what you did for me. And now that's really our attitude. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you instead of having this negative thought on that? I'm just telling you. Now listen to this. Uh, this I want to read the, the next one was, so you got your nails, number six, five, in the hands, number six feet, number seven is a spear in the side. Jesus was already dead the last time he bled. Okay? And um, medically, the reason he bled was because of that hypovolemic shock and some other medical name. His fluid began to gather around his heart and lungs as he died. Okay, that's, you know, you, a doctor could tell you all this information. I'm not a doctor, so I'm just telling you what I read that doctors said. But when the guy pierced him, that's why there was water and blood. Uh, John wasn't trying to make a medical statement. He was just making a factual statement. There was water and blood that came out of him when they stuck that spear up there because it punctured his heart and his lungs. Okay? It, it punctured his heart and lungs. Literally, Jesus, they said, Jesus, likely the thing that killed Jesus was heart failure. His heart literally wore out on the cross trying to stay alive, beating, trying to get more oxygen, more blood. It was doing what a normal heart does, but it died. That's what killed Jesus was a broke, dead, a wore-out heart. heart. Anybody got heart trouble this morning? Anybody? I'll tell you, if you do, there's an answer for your heart. I'm telling you, there's answers for us. Anybody got lung problems? I'm telling you, we, we need to grab hold of this stuff. We need to grab a hold of this. We need to grab a hold of Revelation of the cross. Well, um, let me read this verse to you and I'll let you go. Are y'all getting it? See, here's what I need to see. Here's what I need to see in my life. I need to see this in this church. I need to see people taking this and going through these scriptures on their own and begin to meditate on the scriptures. And when you're frustrated and you're upset in your mind, like, I'm going to receive the blood in my mind. I'm thinking, I see Jesus. I see them guys hitting you over the head. Lord knows I see that. Father. Put the blood on my mind right now. That blood, that precious blood that got spilled all over Jesus. He was beat, that was beaten out of his head. Put that on. And so as you do that, and you do that, and you do that, something happens. It's the power of the cross. It does something. Well, this is what uh, Paul said in Galatians 3, 13, to 13 and 14. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. See, that's the whole thing. All that stuff is a curse. Sickness is a curse. Uh, psychological attacks is a curse. Trying to make a living and ache out a living in your life is a curse. 
toiling away just to get make the ends be met. That's a curse. God wants to bless the work of your hand. Okay, curses everyone who hangs on a tree. That's what it says. Cursed. And so Jesus hung on this tree that the blessing, notice it's singular, blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ, that's us, we're the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So, here's the question. What's the blessing of Abraham? Right? We might receive this blessing. Okay? Well, here's what part of the blessing is. Genesis 24, verse 1. Abraham. Now, Abraham was old, advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. In every part of his life, God had blessed him. That's what Paul was saying. Every area of our life can be blessed because Christ took the curse for in every part of our life. Every part of our life. And so what we need to do as the church, we had to start cashing in on that. Okay? And when I say cash in, is we begin to go to the cross and we begin to have a meditation, have thoughts towards the cross. We begin to set our minds on these things. I meditate on them. I read the Scriptures. I go back and read all those Scriptures. I put those Scriptures in my mind. I meditate on those Scriptures. When I'm in a jam, or when I'm just not even a jam, I'm just starting my day off, I'm saying to Jesus, Jesus, in a fresh way, I put Your blood on this broken heart. Put Your blood on this stressed out mind. Put Your blood on this restless spirit. In a fresh way today. Put your blood on this sick body today. In a fresh way, Lord. I need it. And here, because you suffered it, you became the curse. And I have to choose to put my mind on your suffering. And as I become, to, as I begin to fellowship with His suffering, I begin to know Him. There's an intimacy that will get it released. You'll begin to know Jesus like you didn't know Him before. You'll begin to know Him deeper. And when I began to, to meditate on that one about his, his, his uh, entrails being open, I, it was like I could, I began to know the inside of Jesus. I, I began to know parts of Him that we don't even see. That's what it felt to me. I'm knowing something about Jesus I never knew before. Because I thought about it. It's an ugly thought. It's a nasty thought. But I thought about it. And it began to cause me to love Him. And I thought, you know what? I can go anywhere in the world and sit. If they told me to stand up and sit down 50 times in church, I could still worship Him because I'm not thinking about a method or a style. I'm thinking about this person. You see what I'm saying? It'll set you free from the confines of this world and why people do it and how they don't do it. It'll set you free. It'll liberate your life. That's what God wants to do for the church. And we can go to the world with this message because it beats in us. It's alive in it. And we can tell the world about this person of Christ and what He did for them. And we can say it. And when they hear it, it's going to hurt them. It's going to cut them to the quick. Like when Peter said it that day at Pentecost. It says it cut their hearts to the quick. He said, you killed Him. You killed Him. And it cut them to the quick. And they got saved. They said, what do we do? What do we do? And He told them, this is what you do. You repent and believe because this is for you and your children and all those who will call on the name of the Lord. Now that's preaching the gospel of power. It's because that man, Peter, he experienced 
what I'm talking to you about. He experienced the cross. It was a reality in his life. He saw it with his natural eyes. He saw it with his spiritual eyes. And thank you, God, this morning, Lord, open our eyes to the glorious, your glorious plan. That's the glorious plan. And I believe God wants to make it real to you and I and change us. Because in this old fallen world, we need something beyond what we're getting. I'm not against counseling. You know, because, heck, I do some. Little, you know, I try to escape as much as I can. Well, I do I counsel myself all the time. But I'll tell you this. We can't leave the blood out and the cross out of the church anymore. We've got to bring it in. And we've got to bring it into our hearts. We've got to bring it into our lives and put our focus on that. And I believe as we do that, something will change. Well, I'll tell you this. For me, it's working. And I believe it worked for the people in the Bible. Okay? So I'm appealing to you today to see the cross of Him in a fresh way. Because God is appealing to us. See me enter into my fellowship of my suffering. Begin to focus on my suffering. Fellowship with me around my suffering. Talk to me about Talk to me about me sweating in the garden. You think you're under pressure. Talk to me about it. Talk to me about that blood I dripped, that I dripped off my forehead. Talk to me about it. Fellowship with me about it. If you're under pressure, if you're having a panic attack, talk to me about that. Begin to focus on it and say, oh, I need some of that blood. And something will happen. Okay? All right, stand up. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for the blood. We've heard a term all our Christian lives about pleading the blood. And there's something to that. Lord, we want to uh, release a revelation. Uh, Lord, you, I believe you've told me you're releasing a revelation, a fresh revelation to the body of Christ on the blood of Jesus for those who will receive it. Now, there's people in this room who I believe can receive this revelation. That This is going to go beyond just words that I've said this morning. That they're going to come into a revelation. And Lord, we know that revelation transforms us and changes our lives. And so I'm asking you right now to release that revelation of the cross. However you do it, through visions, through dreams, through the Word, through preaching, however, Lord, I pray right now, I ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, Thank you for your name that you've given us. That you would release on every person in this room a true and deeper and greater revelation of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we could all enter in and fellowship with you around your suffering and begin to see the greatness of your love towards us and how powerful you are. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. And so this morning, if you are a person who wants to receive what I just preached about in your life, if you have an area of your life, I believe we should pray for you.